Hi, this is Jeff Fargin from Accidental Productions and the High Adventure Podcast. We've launched a new show called Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party. On this show, I sit with Grammy nominee and Blues Award winner Mark Hummel to talk about all things blues and listen to some great music. We film these episodes so you can find us on the YouTube channel Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party if you prefer, or you can go straight to the audio version. It's available on all your podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. And now a special presentation of Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party. Hi, my name is Mark Hummel and welcome to Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party. I'm here with uh, producer Jeff Varjan and we are going to be talking about the blues, about harmonica, about life on the road, about some of the characters that I've met out there, and uh, just the ins and outs of what it's like to be a traveling musician for pretty much my whole life. And this is a, it's a different time because we've been in COVID, nobody's been out on the road. So for the road dogs out there, what have you guys been doing? How we've do you do been this? basically spending a whole lot of time at home. <laughs> Testing our marriages out. <laughs> That's, That's right. The best I mean, way you're, to put it. It's true. Are yeah. Used to being so, on the road and, yeah. People yeah. are used to uh, the, the 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 habits that you develop from from being gone all the time, and uh, so it's been a big adjustment. But I I have to say. Uh, there's parts of it I love. I love being able to eat my wife's home cooking all the time and sleeping in my own bed, uh, growing my garden, uh, getting a lot of reading in, a ton of music in. Uh, uh, one of the real upsides of the pandemic and being grounded from touring has been it's really given me a whole new appreciation for uh, for music of, of practicing and learning a new instrument like I've been playing guitar now for for many many years but not very seriously and that guitar has been sitting in the closet I've got three guitars this is my cheapest one but it's been sitting in the closet for probably 10 years I haven't gotten it out and um, I bought a new guitar not a new guitar, but an old guitar from a friend of mine uh, that's being repaired, and I should get that back any day now. And that guitar really got me back into playing guitar and learning to play on a harmonica rack like this. Um, you know, and it's been a whole new thing for me. So, well, and, and we saw in the last episode, you played a little guitar. Is that something you think you're going to work into your shows now? Well, I mean, I would like to be able, let's put it this way. I mean, I've I've considered the idea of, uh, you know, eventually moving out of the Bay Area. And if I do, you know, uh, say move to a smaller town or something, the idea of being able to play solo mm -hmm. is a very uh, intriguing idea because I could live in the smallest of towns and go play at the neighborhood coffee shop all by myself. And I wouldn't necessarily have to hire, you know, musicians from outside. But I mean, I love playing with musicians. And that's the one thing I've really missed through the pandemic is playing with my old, you know, friends that I've been playing with for 20, 30 years. And uh, and so now it's like, you know, if I'm lucky, I play with them twice a month. So the, the whole idea of things opening up 
in the next uh, month or so is is something that we all love because uh, we miss playing together. And how different is it for you as a musician to play with a group of people or by yourself from an anxiety standpoint? Is there is there do you still two get nervous to go on stage? It's two completely different things. Um, I'm very nervous to play guitar in public <laughs> at the moment because it's such a new thing playing with the harmonica rack and just playing guitar. Uh, yeah, that's got me nervous, but I don't get nervous playing on stage. The, the, the one thing that I noticed when I did a gig back in, I think it was December, I did uh, uh, one of the few live gigs I did last year. and. I noticed I was forgetting words like crazy because I hadn't played a gig in months. And it was my first time playing in public. So I was forgetting lyrics like crazy. But I did a gig, uh, I think, a week ago, and, and it was a breeze. And it was it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, that was with the, the guys that we just heard a song by Deep Basement Shakers. Yeah. Oh, those yeah. guys are terrific. Yeah, those, they're really I mean, fun. if you haven't seen the deep basement shakers right uh, we'll put links on our show notes for these guys because they are they are something like nobody's ever seen before well yeah because we have a percussionist that that pretty much made a drum kit out yeah. of his kitchen utensils right i mean and when i yeah. first saw yeah. them with you yeah. a couple years ago yeah i walked in and i saw his contraption. The percussionist, I'm, you know, at that time I'm thinking he's the drummer. Yeah. And he's got this suitcase and he's, you know, sort of setting things up. And I thought, does he fit his whole drum kit into the suitcase? <laughs> and then when the show started, the suitcase is his drum. Yes. His, his bass drum is a large suitcase and he plays a washboard and he plays with these uh, claws on his hands. Well, it's like thimbles. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... He's, and finger picks. He's doing, uh, making the most amazing sounds out of these, I don't want to say household instruments, but it's... <laughs> Kitchen appliances. And it's music. It's That's yeah. the most amazing thing. Is yeah. He really, he holds the beat. He's he sponsored keeps... by Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks like this thing has yeah. taken it. Remember that old commercial with the gorillas throwing the suitcase? Right, right. That suitcase looks like it's been tossed a bit. You probably found it on the sidewalk it somewhere. It could be. <laughs> turned into something valuable. Yeah. So you're transitioning out of coronavirus. We're now getting vaccinated and moving out. What's the what's it look like for clubs out there? Well, it's um, it's very slow. It's very slow opening up. We're actually going to do probably a little, you know, somewhere between four to six day tour in July. Uh, and that's not going to be with deep basement shakers. That's going to be with the blue survivors. And, uh, you know, guys like Rusty Zinn and Bob Welsh that I've been playing with forever and Randy Bermudez, who plays with Charlie Musselwhite now, but used mm -hmm. to play in my band years ago. And then uh, my regular drummer, Wes Starr, who's played with everybody you can imagine. Uh, so that's, you know, that's that's really exciting. It's really exciting to have you know, the, a band back together. Right. Uh, but I, I want to get some deep basement gigs. I want to get, you know, um, we're working on doing a, um, a blowout tour in January, which will be the 30th harmonica blowout, 30th annual. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the works right now that we're trying to get booked. So in, in July to go, we'll, we'll have these dates up on yeah, our show notes yeah. and we'll make sure that everybody hears about these dates and when they're coming and where you're going. 
But 30th anniversary of the harmonic blowout. That's, that's a big that's deal. That's a significant achievement. Yeah, it's a big deal. That's 1991 is when I started them, and uh, and we couldn't do it this year, obviously, so we transferred it mm -hmm. to next year. But uh, you know, I figure by then things should be sorted out. I mean, there, you know, the thing about a pandemic, we've never been here before. Nobody's ever, no musician I know has ever been off the road for a year. I've been on the road for 36 years. This is a completely Weird anomaly. Well, it's probably been since the Middle Ages with it the traveling like minstrels yeah. that were moving around like in uh, the 1300s when they yeah. would have the plague. It's 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 an odd it's an odd thing to uh, be taken off the road for for most of us because uh, it's been a way of life. I mean, I've spent 150 days to 250 days on the road since 1985. That's, or 84. That's a that's a huge percentage of your entire life. Yeah. In the last 36 years that yeah. you're not home. Yeah. It's it's very strange. But you know, I'll be honest with you. I mean, for me, um, uh, in 2016, I mean, I I haven't really made a big public issue of it, but I did have a minor heart attack back in the end of 2016, and that really kind of put a, a, a thing in my head that I didn't know how much time I wanted to spend on the road after that. And so I, I think I went out in 2017 and did uh, uh, probably 120 days on the road or something. And in 2018, I just said, I don't want to spend any time on the road like I've been. Mm -hmm. And I went out and did maybe at the most, say, 60 days that year. And then 2019, I was kind of back out there some, and uh, you know, 2020, obviously, you know, everyone was sidelined. So I had to cancel a number of tours that I had set up for for 2020. I canceled two two trips to Europe, uh, at least two trips, um, you know, stateside that I had to cancel. So was that a, a big adjustment? after your heart attack to not be on the road? When I did the album, which came out in 2020, uh, Wayback Machine, one of the songs, and I was hoping we could play this, is there's a song on there called Road Dog. Mm -hmm. And the very last verse of it is, someday I'll get back home, on this porch I'm gonna stay. And, uh, and, and, and uh, someone else can take that wheel to that long highway. And it was like, you know, I've had a year on the porch for the last last year. And, uh, you know, frankly, you know, I've been enjoying it. And it's not that I don't want to go out there and play the road, because I do. I mean, you know, I love traveling. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of the things about traveling that I should say right out the gate is when I got into this business, you know, I mean, I was I was 14 or 15 when I started playing harmonica and it was by the time I was 16, I was really I had a real wanderlust kind of mm -hmm. in my soul. And I used to hitchhike all over the, you know, uh, California and eventually hitchhiked all over the United States. And, uh, you know, it was something I really had a wanderlust in right, my soul. Right. And and uh, once I got out on the road in 1984, it was kind of like. That's what I set out to do. I mean, I did it. I did it for a number of reasons. I did it mainly 
because I'd been playing in the Bay Area and California for so long that I felt like I needed to kind of get my name. To really make a name in this business, you got to travel. To sell CDs, you got to travel. Back then, it was LPs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so the only way you really sell your product in blues is to go out on the road. Mm -hmm. It's not like other genres. It's not like being a rock star where you get all this radio play or MTV or whatever. That doesn't happen in blues. In blues, it's strictly the road that makes you famous. And, or not and, even famous, semi-famous is and, a better way to put it. And playing live, especially in the blues, it's, the blues is such an emotional music that it doesn't always come through right. recorded That's as true. it does when you see something live. That's really true. I mean, I've heard you play The Creeper a thousand times on CD. Right. You play The Creeper live, it is a totally different experience. Yeah, totally that's a good different. point. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's. I mean, it's why we love live music, but specifically blues and blues clubs. Yeah, it's it's like going to a museum when everybody's in love with that particular painter and everybody's there because it, there's a commonality we all have when we're there seeing a blues artist right. that you don't get when you're in a stadium. That's a good example is to say it's like looking at a painting in a book and then looking at the actual painting. Mm -hmm. When you go hear blues in person, you're looking at the painting in front of you as opposed to looking at a reproduction in a book. You know, That's I, not to say that I'm not proud of my CDs. No, I, should, but, but I should differentiate that because I love... Uh, the idea of going into the studio and recording something. But it's it's a different experience. It is. It's, I wouldn't say that it's one is less than the other. It's different. Mm -hmm. So if I look at a painting in a book, I can appreciate that painting and I can appreciate everything about it. But when I see that painting live, it's the same painting, but it's a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the recorded versus the live performance. Because the other thing, it's, it's almost like watching a sporting event. Because on the recording, we're listening, even if it's a music video, generally the leader of the band is profiled in the video or the, the song. But now, like I can watch the deep basement shakers, I can watch the percussionist, I can watch Rusty play guitar, I can watch these people do right. something that are contributing to that that we don't really see right. on a CD. The contribution by the players, the, the is, back, the, the supporting guys. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing I should say about touring is that when you tour, you're stuck in a van like somebody, you know, Norton Buffalo used to have a van. They used to call it the punishment box <laughs> because it was like an RV, you know, and 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 it was like, you know, you have to get back in the punishment box and hit the road. And it's like, you know, there's a whole thing of the, what it's like to travel for hours at a time every single day. You're doing all one-nighters. You're rarely doing a two-night gig yeah. out on the road. Now, at one time when I started doing this work, you could play a week at a time in places. In, in the 80s, you could play like, say, a week in Crested Butte, Colorado, and then play a week in uh, the Cooperage in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then play you know, a week in, in Evergreen at the Little Bear, you know, uh, uh, Tavern or, you know, I mean, and, or, you know, you could play a week at the Zephyr in Salt Lake City. That kind of stuff doesn't exist anymore. Why not? Why because, doesn't exist? Because I think that, that over time, 
people became more kind of, uh, I'm going to just go out one night this week. I think part of it is, is youth. Youth uh, nowadays really, just like they don't buy CDs, they buy a song off Spotify. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, back then it was record albums. Then it became CDs. Now it's a song off Spotify. I mean, things change from generations. Mm -hmm. You know, and things change in terms of the value of music. So nowadays, uh, to really be out on the road, you know, the bands, you know, at least people, you know, my age, you got to be making, you know, at least a $20, $30 ticket, uh, you know, to get into the nightclub or the, or the concert venue to make any money. Because, I mean, you know, when you're flying people in, you've got a van, you know, that you've got to get there with a pull in a trailer usually. Uh, you got to pay your guys a fee. Um, you know, you've got, uh, say, a publicist that I usually hire for tours that you got to pay. You know, there's all these expenses that come into it. And so it's not, you know, it used to be, you know, when I wrote this book, <laughs> this was this was like the beginning of my road days. That's really what this was. Big Road Blues. This was the beginning of my road days. Well, I want to get into uh, in a next episode, in a, another episode down the road, I really want to get into the business of clubs. And because for those of us that sit in the audience, we sit in a club, we see musicians, we see the bar, we see cover chart, whatever. How does this business model work? So on a future episode, I want to delve into that. But right now we've got Mark Hummel's Big Blue, Big Road Blues, 12 Bars on I-80. Um, this is a terrific book about life on the road. Mark's for a blues gonna, band. For a blues band. You think it's different for a blues band than it is for a rock band? Absolutely. You think that, There are similarities, but it's a different life. So Motley Crue did not have the same... I'm sure Motley Crue went through some experiences similar to those. <laughs> that we can't say on this podcast. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole nother I mean, level. every music, here's what a lot of people don't understand. Every musician that travels for a living has a certain aspect of it that they're going to have to deal with. You're not sleeping in your own bed. You're, you're, you're coming into strange situations, uh, meeting people a lot of the times you've never met, uh, you know, uh, constantly traveling, going through different time zones. Uh, there's just, it's, it's like being an astronaut. I mean, you know, if you're an astronaut, you're, you're going to go through physical changes to be an astronaut. Well, with musicians, you go through physical, physical changes, just getting in a van or an airplane and traveling. Even if you're Eric Clapton and you're touring in your own private jet, the fact that you're going through time zones and you're having to, I mean, I know how those guys travel. Mm -hmm. They travel where they have a hub city and they, they fly into the hub city and then do city to city to city that's nearby. Like Federal Express. Yes. Yeah. But nonetheless, that still means you're getting into an airplane after you finish the gig and, and flying back to wherever that hub city is. Right. So no matter how you look at it, even with a five-star hotel, there's a certain grind that it gets into. Yeah. And and with, with when you're playing in a blues band and you're going city to city like we're talking or town to town, whatever it is, you know, it's a grind. Mm -hmm. Now, now the difference is that the way we travel compared to the way the old timers traveled, who literally were hitchhiking to the next job 
or playing on a corner somewhere or uh, jumping a freight train or, you know, whatever. That's a whole different ball game there. So we have it glamorous next to the original right. 1940s and some of the 1930s and 40s blues musicians, you know. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome to the harmonica party. We're we'd like to invite you to be a guest at the party. You can do that by supporting us right here at Patreon. See you then. This song that I'm going to play off this album, Wayback Machine, and uh, this album features Aaron Hammerman on piano, who uh, we were talking about earlier, along with Dave Eagle, the percussionist with the Samsonite drum kit. And uh, this is a song I wrote called Road Dog that's all about life on the road and what it was like during the pandemic being off the road finally and sitting on my front porch for a year. So here's Road Dog. I've been down many lonely highways in a state and country road. Been down many lonely highways in a state and country road. for joining Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party. We are brought to you by Electrify Records, Seidel Harmonicas, and Mountaintop Music. Uh, if you want to catch our podcast online, please go to Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, or any of the other platforms that we're using to do the podcast. I'm going to do a song right now. I'm going to get out of here with this one right here that I got from Brownie McGee and Sonny Terry back when I was 15 years old, before I'd done any real road work. And uh, now that I've done 3 million miles in that touring van, I can actually feel like I've earned the right to sing this song. It's one by Bill Brunzi and, and Jazz Gillum called Key to the Highway. Here we go. I 
got the key Key to the highway Build out, I'm bound to go I'm gonna leave here running because Walking is much too slow Wait. 